Welcome to the Woodland Heights Baptist Church Sunday Talks podcast. Sunday Talks is a weekly roundtable discussion about theological and cultural topics. For more information and show notes, visit whbcconway.org forward slash Sunday Talks. Here's your host, Pastor Larry Watt. Welcome to this episode of Sunday Talks. We are in a series we're calling uh, Statesman of the of the uh, Arkansas Baptist State Convention. And we have across the table for me today one of those men that I put in that category, Dr. Amal Turner, who uh, I don't... Have you ever preached at Woodland Heights? Dr. I don't think I have. Well, not yet. We're going, we'll, uh, have, we'll have to arrange that. Uh, I've got him on the spot here for doing that. But in my lifetime, Dr. Turner, I've watched and, and growing up here in Arkansas, even back to the 70s, uh, of watching men that led at the convention level and just pa- local pastors even that made a great impact. And uh, um, I define Baptist statesman this way, as a person who exhibits great wisdom and ability in directing the affairs of the convention and in dealing with important issues pertaining to churches. And so whether it's doctrinal integrity or just the unity of our mission, um, you are one of those men along with, you know, Don Moore, Jimmy Sheffield, many others, had, had Dr. Rex Horn on last week and so have made an impact. And I wanted to just, our people, to get to know you in the church and others who watch this or listen to it. Um, and so uh, 17 years, Arkansas Baptist State Convention is where most people in Arkansas would, would know, know you from. And and uh, as I was I was reading, you know, you Google any name, there's there's all kinds of stuff out there about you, and it's, it's good <laughs> stuff, by the way. But uh, one thing I remember, and I, I, it was when you retired, there was a picture of you and Mary standing beside you. And I thought about the many times that, you know, whether you preached for us or it was at an annual meeting, um, Emil and Mary were always together. And y'all had a wonderful marriage, 40 years. 41, almost 41. 42. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and we, we, you know, regret her passing. And, and I know that, that uh, um, God's strengthened you through that. And, yes. and, uh, um, uh, and, and, and when you were dropped off, I think it was Miss Patty, it was... God, God blessed you with a, you know, most of us are blessed to just have one spouse that, that would love us and care for us, and, and but you've been uniquely provided when, in Patty, and, and uh, uh, share a little bit about how that, what, what, what's happened there. Well, Mary and I met through Campus Crusade for Christ at LSU, and then we married. She was with Campus Crusade in State University at New York at Albany. I was in West Virginia. We set up our first family in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. In, the, in Bowling Green, we worked on the campus of Western Kentucky University. Mm-hmm. There was a young woman in the church that we joined who was vacation Bible school expert. She had worked for the Kentucky Baptist Convention, helping small rural churches establish vacation Bible schools, worked for local associations. I left Campus Crusade and went on staff of that church Hillview Heights mm-hmm. in Bowling Green. And I had responsibility for education and evangelism. And so she and I had to plan, that young lady, Patty, had to plan vacation Bible school. We, we had a disagreement over the nature of the literature. Mm-hmm. I was fresh off of Campus Crusade for Christ staff. I knew everything. <laughs> there was no need for an encyclopedia. You had me. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I questioned whether or not we were using the right vacation Bible school material. And mm-hmm. I could tell that Patty was – she was um, 
an expert in this, mm-hmm. and she tolerated my questions and produced a spreadsheet that compared different literature and mm-hmm. brought it to my house. Mary and Patty and I had dinner together. Joel, our oldest, was a baby in the mm-hmm. high chair. Patty went through the spreadsheet and showed me why the Southern Baptist literature we were using was superior to the others available to us. And I was convinced. I I was impressed Mm -hmm. that with the way she did her work, and I was impressed with the fact that she'd tolerate my not knowing. Mm -hmm. And then shortly after that, God put it on our hearts to go to seminary, and I didn't talk to Patty for 40 years. Mm. And... um, Mary, we, we have two wonderful sons. Mm-hmm. She's a wonderful mother, a godly wife, mm-hmm. a pastor's wife, uh, and a, the epitome of what a pastor's mm-hmm. wife should be. Mm-hmm. And after she, after she contracted ovarian cancer, in those times when she was sleeping, I would go from our house out to Pinnacle Mountain, and I would make hikes around Pinnacle Mountain mm-hmm. and pray. And I had points on the trails where mm-hmm. I would pray for certain things. I, at a particular point, I always prayed for a healing. Mm-hmm. And when when God saw fit, when Mary saw fit and God saw fit to end the chemotherapy and to accept what was inevitable, um, shortly after that, I was hiking that same trail and I would was praying and I I came to that point Larry where I always prayed for Mary's healing and God said to me not audibly but mm-hmm. so clearly I could hear it all those prayers have been answered now mm-hmm. you need to pray mm-hmm. some new things mm-hmm. well I made another loop and I came back to that spot and I said all right then what I pray for is somebody to do something with. Mm-hmm. I, my brothers and I were have been close, and I was mm-hmm. thinking about my brothers. I was thinking about, you know, as pastor, as minister, you have a lot of relationships, right. but you don't have always as deep a relationships mm-hmm. as you want. And so that's just what I prayed. Almost eight, nine months later, I looking at another evening alone and I get up and I go attend the fly fishing meeting and there's a man speaking in the fly fishing meeting club meeting Mm -hmm. about fishing in Kentucky and he talks about Bowling Green I thought I didn't fish when I was in Bowling Green and I I could just go back there and I could visit their church and the campus Mm -hmm. and the homes we bought and Mm -hmm. where the you know where the kids were born and it'd be therapeutic and then I could go fishing. And so I bought the man's book and left in the middle of the meeting, mm. put my fly rods in the truck, and went to, <laughs> went to Kentucky. <laughs> you know, and um, I got there, and I did all those things. It was wonderful. And then I went fishing. And late in the evening, I thought, I've got, I'm out in the country near a little town called Scottsville. I've, I've got to find a place to eat dinner. And... Uh, I thought, I don't know any place here mm. to eat dinner. And so I, the, I don't know anybody here. And then it dawned on me that Patty Rice mm-hmm. lived somewhere in that area. I knew that from Facebook posts. And mm-hmm. although I would not talked with her, I didn't know anything about her family. I wasn't 
following her. I, but I just sent her a Facebook message. Mm-hmm. Where's a good place to eat dinner in Scottsville, Kentucky? And in a few minutes, I got a response. And I drove to the restaurant. I sat in the parking lot, and I thought, this is going to be just like it was back in Little Rock. Mm-hmm. I'm going to eat by supper yourself. by myself, yeah. be by myself. So I didn't know Patty's circumstances. I didn't know if she was married or if she was in prison or where she was. <laughs> <laughs> and, but I sent her another message and asked her if she'd have dinner with me. And to my surprise, uh, she joined me for dinner. She taught school in Kentucky and in Seattle, mm-hmm. uh, Washington, and uh, had just recently retired and uh, was un- had never uh, married. And we visited, and then we began to talk on the phone and I'd make trips back to Bowling Green or to Kentucky, mm-hmm. and she'd come to Little Rock. And finally, we thought, well, it would be cheaper to just go ahead and get married. <laughs> and we've been married a little over four years. We fly fish together. We hiked five miles almost every day. This morning, we wow. hiked five miles across Washtenaw Trail. Yeah. Uh, we we live out by Pinnacle Mountain. God is, like you said, God mm-hmm. has been. Far better to me than I deserve. Mm-hmm. The two godly mm-hmm. women in my life that have that have been a great blessing yeah. to me. That and that's and it's an incredible story. And I I follow you on Facebook and I love the pictures, trout fishing <laughs> and other things that you do. And that that is that is a blessing. And I'm happy for you. And I know Thank I know you. our people are as well. You know, and that goes back. You talk about Mary and Patty both, and now they're both have been pastors' wives. And you're a pastor. I mean, you may have been uh, worked for Campus for Crusade or been executive director, but even when you were here. You served in this role as a in a pastoral way. I mean, you pastored the pastors, you pastored you pastored the churches when you would come and preach, and the way that you handled things. Um, I'd like to talk about just some of the highlights of your pastorates. I know you pastored uh, last as a as a pastor at uh, Lake Charles. Uh, you've done a lot. How many? Do you have any idea how many interim pastorates you've done? Twelve. Twelve. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You didn't know. How many yeah. And. Uh, 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 and then, of course, we have a common experience that you pastored in Cross City yep. before I did. And, and uh, I don't know how many years it was removed, but they were still talking about you big <laughs> when I was down there. So what are some highlights of, for you as just as, in, in your pastorates? In the First Baptist Harrisonburg, Louisiana, which was my first pastorate, a town of about 750 people, and then in Mount Olive Baptist in Cross City, and then at First Baptist Lake Charles. Larry, in all three places, I had the privilege of seeing a supernatural movement of God mm. that could not be planned or was not of human agency. All three churches grew, baptized a lot of lost people, saw a lot of backslidden believers mm-hmm. restored. I think the the first time I saw that in a church was indelibly etched mm-hmm. in my mind. I, I was a new pastor. The first time I had pastored, a revival preacher was preaching, a, a good man, mm-hmm. uh, not anyone that most people would know, and an old deacon sitting, a banker sitting on the front row. I was sitting on the front row Mm -hmm. next to him just because the preacher was preaching, and 
But I, during the invitation, I looked at that old banker, and there was one tear that came down his face. And we, the invitation was over, no one had responded. And I, I didn't know, I thought, okay, it's the first night of the revival. Mm -hmm. But the next morning at about 9.15, my phone rang, and it was a, the, an employee of the bank who's also a church member, and she was very agitated. She said the president of the bank, that elderly mm -hmm. banker, uh, he locked us in, wouldn't let the customers in, Mm. told us that he wanted to apologize for never having talked to any of us about our relationship with God, mm. <laughs> that he hoped that we would receive Christ and go to heaven. Mm. And he wanted to invite us all oh, wow. to church. Well, before the evening service, and we're in a town of 750 mm. people, before the evening service, there was such an excitement in the town mm. because of that single mm. man's mm. response that the service was filled before mm. the, I mean, the, work, the church was filled before the service began. Mm. There were people praying at the altar during the prelude, not invited to do so, mm -hmm. just moved just did, to do yeah. so. And for three years, week mm. by week, God saved people in that community. Mm. Church that was running 35 grew to 150 and, mm. and in a town of 750 people. It was That's pretty it was pretty yeah. it was and I was brand new. I just thought that was the way it was supposed to be all the yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was but that that sense of Revival or mm -hmm. sense of a movement of God, I had the privilege of seeing mm -hmm. in, in three different churches, mm -hmm. and it was a mm -hmm. wonderful thing. Yeah. You know, and I, I've shared this with our folks is that if you've ever experienced that in church, that's what you desire. That's what you you expected it, but that's you what look you for it everywhere you, you are. Yes. Go. Yeah, and yeah. and I was I I can testify to that and cross it. Uh, unfortunately, Mount Olive wasn't there when I came. That they had had some down times, but uh, but there were people that. I knew in the community and some who had even joined our church who were part of that. Um, we were talking earlier yeah. about LaRon Burton, oh. one of those, and his family. And uh, and I was a beneficiary of, of some of that atmosphere. That yeah. First Baptist Cross got a bit of that from that. And yeah. uh, and I, that that even marked, I think, your time here at the convention. Um, you know, we're having, in fact, we're having revival. Uh, it, it will have been have, have happened hopefully by the time we air this. But uh, it's so rare now for churches to have a revival yeah. meeting. Uh, we've got Bob Pittman coming oh, in wonderful. this Sunday. But, Great um, preacher. Yes, he is. He was he was preaching when I was saved in 1975. Oh, really? And uh, but you you really encouraged that. I know um, there were probably a lot more going on then, but that's unfortunately that's kind of faded away over time. Um, you know, and I, I appreciate that. I commend you for, for doing that. Uh, one of the things that revived, I think, as well, it's kind of a, kind of a shift in our conversation. But but I do want to talk about this. While you were here at the convention, cooperative program was something you said a whole lot. In fact, you know, I don't I don't know what we were doing before the cooperative program. I'm sure it was emphasized, but uh, I know you established some personnel at times just to just to do that. Uh, I was just reading this 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 uh, week. Uh, CP giving went up forty percent. Uh, during your time, um, can you share a little bit of how that happened and why that was an emphasis for you? Yeah, I, 
it would it would be unwise of me to take any credit for other people's generosity but mm-hmm. i think i served here at a time when the economy was not limiting churches mm-hmm. churches were, were growing i think i think i did stress cooperative program i i ask the staff members to refer to themselves as cooperative program missionaries. Yes, yeah. uh, and they Dr. did. Tu- and yeah. Dr. Tucker's continued that yeah. tradition. Yeah. yeah, I I heard one of our one of our state convention staff members the other day in an associational meeting say, "I'm your cooperative program missionary," and yeah. I thought, check. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think I think the the idea of supporting the cooperative program. Was a it was a time where that was a an idea that people could get a grip on. They they mm-hmm. there was not a resistance to it. They wanted to do it, right. and I was a beneficiary. I was a, I just happened to have a, be here at a good time mm-hmm. for that. And I I as a as a person who had been a directly funded missionary with Campus Crusade for right. Christ. I, I raised my financial support. I, I could easily compare the two mm-hmm. uh, approaches to mission giving. Right. And I knew that uh, a cooperative program was vastly superior. And I think one of the things that, that uh, people... We, we tried to communicate about the cooperative program, Larry, was that, um, pardon me, one of the things we tried to communicate was that while cooperative program giving seems impersonal mm. when you put money in an offering plate, when it comes out of the pipeline into the homeless shelters, into the children's home, mm-hmm. into the... To the um, Unreached people groups of Southeast Asia, it is intensely personal. Right, and yeah. to say it's not a personal approach to giving is a, a selfish response, because what happens on the on the other end of it is is so personal it makes the difference between heaven and hell mm-hmm. in these people's right. lives. And, right, and the cooperative program has been something God has used to to make it possible for more people to go to heaven mm-hmm. and less people to go to hell. I, our oldest is an IMB missionary. With Joel, a, right? Yeah, yeah Joel, yeah, with yeah, an unreached yeah, people group yeah. in in the Philippine Islands, a mm-hmm. violent group mm-hmm. of Muslims. Mm-hmm. And uh, because he's there, there's an island now that has never had a believer on it, that mm-hmm. has a family that's become Amen. Christian. Amen. And, uh, that family is beginning to invite other Muslims into their home to hear mm. scripture read, and mm. and and that family has received the gospel as well as medical help. And mm. they would tell you it's tremendously personal. Absolutely, and, and, uh, absolutely. That so I think I think as to how it happened, I think it. I just was here at a good time. Mm. I, I wouldn't take mm. any credit, mm. but I am grateful it happened because I I believe that we reach more lost people when we when we do it cooperatively. Absolutely, you know. And, and one of the exciting things I just saw some recent numbers 
cooperative program giving across the the nation is up and yes. it's, it's 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 exciting to see young pastors who are buying in yes when there's so many other options but they're they're getting it yeah and they're seeing it yeah it's it's a good good time one of the other emphasis that you you focused on or at least from an outside perspective to me did was on church planting um the number of churches grew a considerable amount during your time here and and uh um again why the emphasis on that probably i, I don't I think maybe the, I know our church started in '87, uh, which is before your time. Yeah. No, yeah, before yeah. your time. But uh, um, there really wasn't the emphasis that there was while you when you came aboard. I know Dr. Moore prioritized mm-hmm. church planting, and in my mind, it was it church planting was driven by two realities. One is the biblical reality that everywhere new believers went, churches started. Mm-hmm. Not just biblical, but church history. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you see it. You know, you find missionaries arriving in India to find a group of believers that were started by Thomas. Right. Uh, you know, you, I've been in France where there is a church that claims to have begun as the Galatian church. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've, it, it was, it was, it is biblical. It mm-hmm. is Mm-hmm. the New Testament way of reaching a lost world. So there's the biblical imperative. But then as I looked at it, it, it was a pragmatic mm-hmm. thing. A, a new church reaches lost people faster in terms of per, uh, per capita membership right. and less with less expense in terms of church budgeting than an established church. Mm-hmm. And the the movement toward niche churches is something that you know we talk about cowboy churches or mm-hmm. biker churches mm-hmm. or yeah or um, uh, former offender churches mm-hmm. or outdoor churches i wasn't always comfortable with that mm-hmm. but i'm always comfortable with a new church starting i i think uh, that is one of the most effective ways to reach the lost world. And if you've been around new churches, there is a level of energy in them mm-hmm. that yeah. is yeah. just uh, it's it's wonderful to see. It's it you, you think this is when you're in a new church and it. In its first year, you think this is what it was like in Corinth. This is what it right. was like in Ephesus. Right. You know? Yeah. And it, it's a it's a great thing. Yeah. We we have we our church has just recently helped start a Hispanic church within yeah. our church building, and we've got baptisms coming up, which we That's can't great. wait to do I that. Know. We're going to do it together, yeah. and it'll be very exciting. But I, you know, I was just in a meeting. Uh, we were preparing for the uh, pastors' conference this fall. And on our leadership team, on the, one of the officers is a church planter. Yeah. And I see that happening more and more often where I think at times church planters were guys who kind of worked their way up. And they maybe they didn't have the face or the voice in the convention. But now it's becoming more and more commonplace. That's great. And it that's, is. I, I, Dr. Tucker's done a wonderful job yes. with that. Yeah. And, we're, you know, the, the, uh, and there's, I think there's even a different approach. That even, even my attitude's changed over the years. You know, you'd say, well, hey, you want a church next door to you? And it's like, well, maybe not so sure about that. But, again, if it means more people, yeah. I'm going to quote you. Would you yeah. said this many times? More people going to heaven, less people going to hell. We ought to all be for that. Yeah. And and uh, um, and even with the niche churches, 
I always said in Arkansas, every church is a cowboy church. <laughs> but uh, um, so. but even some of those, you know, are really doing a great work. And um, you've served in some difficult seasons. I mean, you think about through your ministry days, all the way back to Bowling Green, and and through times in Louisiana and on on. Um, conservative resurgence came along, and I know I know you as a conservative brother, and I, I feel the same way about myself and so many others. Uh, but just maneuvering through that, I'm sure there were issues at time in the Arkansas Baptist State Convention. Um, if you want to talk any about those, but also just about what so are some of the greater challenges that you see today that, that SBC faces and even we face here in Arkansas. I did. I I, I, I say that. I was a, I've referred to myself as a foot soldier in the conservative mm-hmm. resurgence. I don't know. I went to denominational meetings and tried to to vote for pres- convention presidents and mm-hmm. SBC presidents that would, would, uh, that I was confident believed all the scriptures and, right. and sought to see lost people saved. And I, I was in seminary at a time when not every professor thought mm-hmm. like that. There were mm-hmm. there were professors who. Now you did go to the best seminary. Though. I did. I, mean, I did. But at the time yeah. I was there, there were they professors. Weren't perfect, that, they yeah. weren't all. They didn't all think the way you and I think. <laughs> okay. And uh, the, I think, I think probably one of the most difficult. Crises I, I was in was in the first year I was here, mm-hmm. and there were disagreements about trustees and mm-hmm. uh, the way we select trustees. There were good people who saw that different ways. Mm-hmm. There were not people. Uh, pardon me, Larry. I'm sorry. Fine. Uh, uh, there were not people that. Uh, were liberal mm-hmm. as you and I think of it, but there were people who had different points of view on things. Right. And they were, for the most part, they were very good people. And we we negotiated that. And I think Arkansas is in from from about 1997, 98 forward, has been in a admiral an enviable position in the way it selects its trustees. Yeah. And I think it's been a good thing, and I'm grateful mm-hmm. that. To get to be a part of that, I think problems that we face today is that we have a we have lost some institutional memory about what we are. Mm-hmm. We are not connectional. We are not. We are not. Um, we are a, a denomination of small churches. Yet, mm-hmm. yes. large yeah. church pastors always exercise a great deal of influence as mm-hmm. as they sh- should. But we are a denomination of small churches who are not contaminated by any other church. Mm-hmm. It may be in the same town or same community or same association, but mm-hmm. no church contaminates another church. No, no church has responsibility for another church, and mm-hmm. no agency or denomination has the ability to instruct a church. We have lost that understanding, I think, to a great extent. Mm. And uh, I, I'm in hopes that we can recapture it mm. because I think that that 
freedom that the church has uh, gives it the ability to to do to be innovative, to be creative, and um, I think we would we would be well serve to recapture some of that. Mm. The idea that from time to time I'll read Southern Baptists are this way or mm-hmm. that way. Well, your church may not be that way at all. <clears throat> right. One, right. I'm an interim pastor at First Baptist Heber Springs. Uh, the church there is a is a great church and for some denominational leader or someone from outside our denomination to decree that Southern Baptists are this way or that way is right. just reveals his lack of understanding of what we are. Absolutely. And, uh, Absolutely. I, I would love to see us reclaim that sense of independence. Yes. And yeah. coop and at the same time cooperate. Right. And uh, but but I think that's one of the great challenges before yeah. us. And that's something I, I, I didn't hadn't planned to talk about, but you brought it up, and, and I do uh, agree with that. We are a denomination of small membership churches and not insignificant churches. No. You know, I think you may have grown up in one. I know I did. I did. And and uh, um, so many others. Yeah, the one have. I grew up in. If 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 you had few <coughs> cushions, you were probably liberal. And so. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Did you back? Did you have an indoor baptistry? Uh, just, barely. just barely. Okay. <laughs> well, the uh, but but you emphasize that, and I think I think that's something I, I always try to remind our church. Our church is that we're blessed to have resources. Yeah. There are churches that are preaching the gospel and doing kingdom work that Amen. are that ha- do not have those things. Amen. And um, we need to help them, and um, we've been able to do that with a particular church, but. Um, Brother, I could talk to you for hours about about a whole bunch of things. One thing I didn't get into I, that that you've had a wealth of knowledge about, and is just church history and Arkansas Baptist history. Um, that you you spent time learning those things, and I, I've been blessed from that. Just hearing uh, anytime you spoke, I always felt like um, you you did as a pastor. You always brought. A word from God, and that that was you know that was that's what that's our task as preachers. Is to it do is, that. and so that's why you're going to come preach at Woodland Heights uh, someday, and we, we are definitely going to follow up with that. But I appreciate your time and your willingness to come and and share with our church family and whoever else may be able to enjoy watching this. Well, I thank you very much for letting me share with you. Absol- I appreciate it. Absolutely. So hey, appreciate it. again y'all watching or listening to Sunday talks and. Uh, uh, if you, if you ever have an opportunity to share this with someone else, we would encourage you to do so. And if you enjoyed it, let us know uh, how you did. I hope you have a great week. We'll hope to see you soon.